This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Well, take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. And if you have your workbooks, I want you to follow along and take notes tonight. But I want to read uh, for you verse number 1. We read the first word of verse number 1 last week. And I want to read the verse and then we're going to go back to the study. So the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And there's a lot to see in that one passage. To correctly study the word. And the scripture says, study to show thyself approved. Another place, the Bible says, search the scriptures. I don't, I'm not going to spend a lot of time tonight on what the instructions are to study the word. That's a given for tonight as we launch into the study. But when you study the word, especially when we're going through an expository study like this, what do I mean by expository? It's verse by verse. And in the verse-by-verse study, we dissect words, and we talk about, in some cases, Greek words. We talk about Old Testament references and how it all uh, comes together. It's like putting a puzzle together. I don't know how many of you have ever had, like, for example, a 1,000-piece puzzle. And uh, you have all those little pieces in the box, and you see the picture on the front, And then you sit down on your coffee table or your dining room table or some spare table in the house and you dump that puzzle box out and all those little pieces just pile up together and you have to break some off to begin a new uh, process to put it together. It's sort of like that when when you do expository teaching. It's like putting a puzzle together, but you have to go back and cross-reference many, many scriptures Because a lot of times, I will tell you, the average person, and it ought not to be this way, but it's the truth, the average person does not spend time studying the Word. Now, I will say that it's a given to say that many people, a lot of people, read the Word. But whether or not we come to a place where we understand what we're reading. Do you remember what the eunuch told Philip? He said, how can I understand this and let somebody show me and let somebody tell me? So this is the benefit of having a small group Bible study like this tonight. They're studying the word over here and connected. They're studying the word out there in the youth impact room. They're studying the word in Awana tonight. We have a lot of small groups on the campus that is studying the word of God. This is how we grow in grace. Study the Word. But in order to do it effectively, we have to have the big picture before us, and we have to realize that we're putting together a big picture with small pieces. So as we get to this first verse tonight in our study, and you should have blank pages of notebook paper to take plenty of notes on. If you get to the place in the study in the next couple of weeks where you need some more supplement paper, let us know. We'll make that available for you. But I believe, and as I was kind of getting towards the end of the lesson last 
Wednesday night, speculating how it must have been when the Holy Spirit of God nudged Peter to take this pen and write. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if he was fishing. I don't know if he was mending nets. I don't know if he was preaching. I don't know if he was performing some type of miracle. I, I don't know what he was doing. But there came a point in time when this epistle, this first epistle of Peter was going to be penned. I'm sure as he picked up the pen, as the Holy Spirit began to speak to him and to say to him, I want you to write, Peter. Take the pen and write. I think that Peter, he sets down. I visualize it to be this way. I think he picks up the pen and as the Holy Spirit is about to move him into writing scripture, perhaps he does what I do Every time before I speak, I bow my head while the singer is singing and I spend some time in prayer and I prepare my heart to receive the word even myself. But I think that as Peter has his pen in hand and as he begins to write, I think his letter is full of reminiscing about the amazing three and a half years that he had spent in the company of Jesus. I want you to think about it just for a minute. What could have possibly been going through his mind when the Holy Spirit said, write? And perhaps he said, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. He holds his pen in his hand. And perhaps in these three and a half years that he spent with Jesus in the Lord's earthly ministry, maybe he was reminiscing because he had seen Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. He was an eyewitness. He had seen Jesus transfigured on the mountain. Now I'm going to give you some things that I think are noteworthy. He had seen Jesus transferred on the, uh, transfigured on the mountain with, uh, you remember the story of Moses and Elijah. Peter wanted to build three tabernacles. I'm sure as Peter began to write and he began to move with memory, maybe before he writes his name, describing himself, maybe he remembers Jesus telling him, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. Maybe and sadly he remembers himself warming his hands over the fires of denial, saying, I know not the man. He's holding his pen. And perhaps he's saying, speak, Lord, thy servant here. Maybe he's doing that because he had experienced that. The Bible says after that event, he went out and wept bitterly. But he had witnessed part of the Lord's agony prior to that in Gethsemane. He remembers, I'm sure as he's holding his pen, he remembers that rooster crowing three times. But he also remembers being one of the first ones at the empty tomb. He remembers the Lord asking him this question, Peter, 
Lovest thou me more than these? He remembers Jesus telling him, Peter, here is the keys. Here are the keys to the kingdom. Feed my sheep. He's, he's sitting, no doubt, maybe perhaps in the fluttering of candlelight. He's holding his pen. He's saying, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. He had seen Jesus ascend back to the Father. He remembers that same day when he, now, 40th days, 40 days after the resurrection, he remembers seeing Jesus ascend back to the Father. 10 days after that, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes down, he remembers preaching the message when over 3,000 people got saved in a day. There's no doubt in my mind, he remembers the lame man who was healed at the gate called Beautiful. He remembers going with John to assist Philip in the revival of Samaria. I'm sure as he's holding his pen in his hand, he remembers his encounter with Simon the sorcerer. No doubt he remembers the time that he stood on the rooftop of Simon the Tanner down in Joppa when God was opening the door of the gospel to the Gentiles. But after a visit to the church of Antioch, he got a little sidetracked, and I believe he remembered a little bit when he got crossways with Paul. Paul got cross with him. And if you're not familiar with the story, this part of the story, I want you to hold your place here. We're coming back to it. I want you to see something in Galatians chapter 2. Because Peter's holding his pen in hand, and he's beginning to write. And so much, no doubt in my mind, I can see it. It's going through his mind. As he is saying, speak, Lord, thy servant here. Tell me what you want to write. Tell me what you want to say, and I'll do it. Maybe he remembers many of these things. And you think about it now. Peter had got a little sidetracked with Paul. Paul got sidetracked with him. If you're not familiar with that part of the story, let me ask you, can you think of two other instances, let's narrow it down to two, two other instances in the word where believers got out of sorts with one another? One going all the, back, well, all the way back to the Old Testament. Do you remember when the scripture says that Abraham's herdsman could not get along with Lot's herdsmen. You remember that? And, and the difficulty, the feuding, the arguments that was taking place in Abraham's camp and Lot's camp, Abraham had enough of it. And he said, ho, 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 we be brethren. We cannot strive together like this. Abraham said, this is not right, right Lot. We, we have to separate. And he said, Lot, I want you to take time to think about where you want to go. You pick first. Wherever you go, and you can have your pick of direction. He said, you go this way. And he said, I'll go this way. 
There, there was some dissension there. I don't know how the story would have ended because it would only be from human speculation. Obviously, it wasn't the path of God. The Word says that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. So we conclude that this whole thing was brought together in order to move Abraham in the positive direction that he needed to go. But I wonder what would have happened if Lot, and it's just a wonder, I wonder what would have happened if Lot said, you're right, Abraham, you know, these guys right here, they're getting on my nerves too. And I've about had enough of them. I know you've had enough of them. I'm just going to tell them all to hit the desert trail and just go on about their business and uh, keep on climbing those sand dunes, just get out of the way. But he didn't do that. You know the tragic story of Lot? In his journey, he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And before long, he was living in Sodom. Then you move on to the New Testament a little bit and you find another squabble going on. And it was between Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas got themselves in such a tiff over John Mark. John Mark, for whatever reason, he had quit the first missionary journey. And as the second one was on the horizon, Barnabas wanted to once again include John Mark. Paul said, no way, I'm not taking him. You saw what he did the last time. I'm not going to invest in that. That's not going to happen. So eventually... Barnabas and, and, and Paul decided to part company. And that's basically when the, the companionship of Paul and Silas began to form. But there was another instance between Paul and Peter. And if you're not familiar with that story, let me read it for you here in Galatians chapter 2. I want you to see this beginning in verse number 11 and we'll read through verse number 19. But when Peter was come to Antioch, let me backtrack a little bit. Peter had spent some time on the rooftop of Simon the Tanner. It's where he had the vision, the sheep coming down, the four corners tied. And God said what had been considered to be unclean, count it clean. God was opening the door of the gospel as well to the Gentile people. Okay, Peter got the message. He went to the house of Cornelius by the three uh, visitors that came and led him to the house. Cornelius and his whole house was saved. But look at this. But when Peter, this is a different thing here now. But when Peter was come to Antioch, Paul said this, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Paul called out Peter. Now, if you're not familiar with this, and, and you think about it, this is two great men of God having such strife. And, and uh, it was the result of Peter's hypocrisy. And, and Paul was not going to affiliate with it, associate with it, and he called him out on it. 
Paul said, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, James had sent a delegation to where Paul and Peter were. And the Bible says he did eat with the Gentiles because God made it clear and plain in Joppa that it was okay for him to do this. But when they were come, when the delegation got there that James had sent, Peter got nervous and he said, what, what are these other brothers and sisters going to think about me eating with Gentiles, people who have been considered to be uncircumcised and unclean? And Peter started to withdraw himself from the Gentiles whom God had already spoken to, made it clear, it's okay, Peter. I'm opening the door of the gospel to the Gentiles. God made it okay for him. But Peter, he, he wasn't going to do that openly. And so the Bible says this in verse 12, for before that certain came, before these people got here, Peter, this is what Paul is saying, before this delegation got here, he said, you ate with the Gentiles like nothing to it. But when they were come, when the delegation came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. So Paul is saying this, I don't know what you're doing, Peter. When nobody is here to see what you're doing from back home, well, you're just making yourself at home and you're, you're having the party with everybody. But when the delegation gets here, you're going to say, not me. Uh-uh, I'm not having anything to do with these people. And Paul said, this is hypocrisy. And so when the word says, I withstood him for the, to the face, Paul is calling Peter out for this instance. So there are three times in the Bible where there were strife and division among believers. Abraham and Lot, Paul and Barnabas, and then now Paul and Peter. Let me read the rest of the verses for you. In verse 13, and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not unripely, according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews do? Verse 15, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by works, by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith of Christ, by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if while we seek to be justified, because Peter had, had privately ate with the Gentiles, but now publicly he was going back under the law. Peter said, you're a hypocrite, Peter, to do this. And he called him out on it. All right, verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. 
For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law that I might live unto God. So here's the thing. Peter had been preaching the gospel of grace ever since that rooftop experience in Joppa. And he was preaching not of works. It was a good message. It was the right message. It was a pure message. Everything was going well in Antioch until some Jewish believers came up from Jerusalem. And before they arrived, he was happily eating with them, the Gentiles. But when the legalist showed up, sort of like the Old Testament law or the Old Testament police, so to speak, sent from James, by the way, he publicly withdrew himself from the Gentiles and Paul said, that's not right. That's not right, brother. This is not right. And so if you go back in verse number 11 again, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Some probably thought that this incident would have made Paul and Peter to completely withdraw their fellowship. And this is what I want to say in the study this evening. Because there are three times in the Word of God tonight in this study that we have seen or we have talked about where believers have got out of sort with one another. Abraham and Lot, Paul and Barnabas. And by the way, Paul ended up, I believe, in his heart repenting of that separation with John Mark because as he comes down to the close of his ministry, basically, he's telling Luke, he's saying, you bring John Mark with you because he is profitable for the ministry. So somewhere along the line, Paul had compassion, he had love, he had mercy, he had grace. Time made a change in him. Now, here in this situation, we have Paul and Peter. And so this is important. This is an important subject for the church, for the body, for believers tonight. Because hurt feelings seem to have a way to affect us in some way or another. But Christians ought not to be about their feelings though we, can, we cannot deny the fact that we are of the human nature and human nature, we have feelings. It's a shame that some of us wear feelings on our shoulders. That, that's so sad. Because let me tell you, in 41 years, I have met people that have got mad or upset or angry over nothing. Nothing. It... it the crowd of people I'm talking about right now at the drop of a hat will find something to manifest an anger about, and that ought not to be. We all have the tendency to do that because of our human nature. But Christianity ought not to be about feelings. It ought to be about truth. Now, if you're going to write something down tonight, 
write that down. Christianity ought not to be about feelings, but it ought to be about truth. And here's the thing. Did Paul's confrontation with Peter cause Paul and Peter to fall out of fellowship for the rest of their days? Did Paul confronting Peter create in Peter a prideful attitude that, well, if Paul was preaching in this side of town, Peter just said, absolutely, I'm not going to listen to this man. After all, he embarrassed me publicly. He called me out publicly on this thing. He could have called me privately to the side, but that's not what he did. He did it publicly. But here's the, here's the truth. Christianity ought not to be about feelings. It ought to be about truth. And Peter did not let this incident divide his relationship with Paul. He didn't let it do it. You know why? Now, if he had allowed pride to fester, pride comes before the fall. That's not what Peter did. Peter didn't let feelings rule the nest, so to speak, because Peter knew that what Paul was saying was true. So Christians ought not to be about feelings, but rather about truth. And deep down in Peter's life and in his heart, he knew that truth was on Paul's side. And I want to show you what I mean. I gave you a scripture here. Let's go back tonight to Acts chapter 10. And I want you to see something in verse number 23. And I want to read for you through verse number 29. Acts 23. 10, Acts chapter 10, verse 23 through 29. And the Bible says this, and this is when Peter was in Caesarea. He said, then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea and Cornelius waited for them and he had called together his kinsmen and near friends and as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter took him up saying, stand up. I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, "Ye know how it is unlawful. It's an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one other nation, all right, then look at this. This is very important, verse 28. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. God had made that so clear to him. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying as soon as I was sent for I ask, therefore, for what intent ye have sent me. So here's the thing. Paul, when he had confronted Peter about this hypocritical thing he was doing, when the delegation got there, he backed himself up and said, oh, no, no, I'm not part of this. God had made it clear. And here's the thing. Peter knew what Paul was saying was truth. Because it was God who had made it clear to Peter. So while Peter and Paul are having this conflict, 
Peter knows, I'm not going to let this thing divide us because what this man is saying is true. I have sinned. I am wrong. And this is the truth. In fact, I want to show you another scripture. We have just enough time to read this tonight. Go to Second Peter with me tonight. And I want you to, you say, well, how do you know they really made amends? How do you know that they really got over this? Well, to me, it's very clear in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Because in this second epistle of Peter, this is what he says. And this is how I know that pride did not get in the way of their ministries. In verse 15, 2 Peter 3, verse 15. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Now, who is writing this? Who's writing this, class? Peter. Peter's writing this, and this is what he says. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as, and here's the answer, our beloved brother Paul. Now, he didn't say that dirty, rotten scoundrel. He didn't say that know-it-all. He said, our beloved brother Paul. And I assure you, he would not have had this type of affection for Paul if he was still carrying around malice, coldness, and indifference in his heart. Also, according to the wisdom given unto him, now Peter's giving him the credit of wisdom. To the wisdom given unto him hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own discretion. So what happened? with Peter and Paul was necessary. And Paul had the boldness to deal with something that was out of sorts, very truthful. You know what I wish? And I, I have to close right now. I wish that we as a body, as, as believers, as brothers and sisters, I wish we could get to this place. And maybe those of you that are here tonight are at this place. Maybe those of you that are watching tonight, maybe you're at this place. To God be the glory. It's a wonderful thing. But I wish the body of Christ could get to this place to where if something was wrong, and I'm not talking about your preference. I'm not talking about a preference here. But if something was contrary to Scripture, there was, there was a a cardinal doctrine of the faith where we had erred. That we could be such in love with Jesus that we would be willing to take correction through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and say, my brother, you're right. Does not the word teach us to do this? When your brother offends you, go to him and him alone, and tell him the fault. And if he hears you, thou hast gained thy brother. 
Sometimes that's necessary. It's a hard thing, but it's the, it's the right thing. And we would spare ourselves a lot of misery, a lot of trouble. If we could just do according to the scriptures what's right. Sometimes we have to do the hard thing. Sometimes we have to do the hard sayings. Jesus had hard sayings. And after his hard saying, sometimes he turned to his others and said, hey, will you also go away? A lot of times things are not easy to say, but they're the right things to say. So I, my prayer is this, that as we continue to grow in grace and we're on a journey, and we will be on this journey of growing in grace until we get to heaven, that we will be willing if where we need to be corrected, we're willing to take it. And whoever is doing the ministry work would not do it in a prideful, derogatory, shameful, humiliating way, but it would be a way to be, bring things into the conformity of Christ. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.